Hello and welcome to Date Night at the Coffee Shop. Um, I'm Bart. I'm Sam. And we're glad you're on this date with us tonight. Yeah. Kind of um, awkward, to be honest, but we're, we're still glad you're here. Uh, so, if you're new to our show, what we do here is uh, we... Drink coffee and talk about stuff. Yeah. Uh, we pick a new coffee every episode, um, taste it for the first time, uh, kind of give our little review of it, um, and then we just discuss some random topic that we just feel like talking about. Um, tonight's episode, we're going to be talking about aliens. Um, so we're pretty excited about this one. I don't know, this one's going to be fun. Um, so yeah, aliens are, aliens are great. They've been so, um, pervasive into our culture. Um, so I'm really excited to see, you know, what, what our take is on that. Um, as far as our coffee, uh, today we have... Uh, Folgers 1850. Um, this is the black gold blend, which is their dark roast. Um, have so you taken a sip yet? I have not. Me either. Okay. Um, so with it being Folgers, I I don't honestly have a lot of high hopes. Yeah. Um, but I have heard that it's not knocking them. It's We're pretty just good. Snobs. I mean, the 1850 line is supposed to be like their version of like good craft, like you know, craft, not crap. <laughs> craft coffee yeah like coffee house coffee house style so you know we'll we'll give it a shot i figured i'd give it a shot and you know a fair opportunity to um show me what it's got right. so we'll go ahead and take our sips now mm. Mm. don't like that <laughs> i yeah, so it's not... That's kind of bitter. I mean, it's not terrible. Creamer, here we come. Um, it's definitely better than, like, the regular Folgers. Like, just, like, For the sure. regular house blend or whatever. Like, it's it's okay. Um, but as far as, like, like, good quality coffee beans, like, <coughs> it's not as good as almost anything else we've tried. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it's got a very bitter smell to it. It, it doesn't After smell. After brewing, before brewing, it smelled like chocolate, and I had really high hopes. Yeah. Um, but I mean, just after it's after it's brewed, it just doesn't smell that great. Yeah, it's just. I mean, it smells okay, but it just smells like it burnt smells coffee. like your your mom and dad's coffee. Yeah. Um, yeah. Your mom and dad's just regular Basic. morning coffee. Yeah. Um, and so it's just not. Nothing not to write special. home about. No. So. As far as the taste, um, it's a little bit... That second sip... <coughs> is, I can taste a little bit more. Uh, excuse our dogs. They are a pain And I sometimes. feel like they've made an appearance on every episode so far. Just so. about. <laughs> um, but, uh, so yeah, I don't... I probably wouldn't ever buy this again. Uh, but I'm glad we gave it a shot. Yeah. And um, I mean, we still have the whole bag, so we may try different brewing methods to see, because I know cold brew is supposed to be a little less bitter. Maybe that'll, like, bring out some better flavors, but... Go and give it a shot. Standard. Uh, one of the things I'm not crazy about is that it only comes already ground. I don't think yeah. they offer it in whole beans. Yeah, so. that probably also, that probably has a lot to do with it as well. You gonna want creamer, or are you good? I, I don't know. I might later. Okay. 
Um, but anyways, so that's that's it for the coffee. So let's go ahead and get into our topic for this evening. Uh, so again, tonight we're talking about aliens. Um, and I'm drinking out of my uh, X-Files mug, brand new. Yeah, just brand new X-Files, X-Files mug in honor of our topic here. I wanted to find some sort of alien-themed coffee, but that was we actually a little bit more difficult than I expected. High and low. All right, so aliens. Let's go ahead and get started here. Okay. So tell me about them. Okay, so first off, to start off, I just want to say that UFO Anonymous or UFOs Anonymous is a really great podcast. It, they take a deep dive on like all things extraterrestrial. I highly recommend it. Is this like a support group for no. <laughs> people who have been abducted? Or? <laughs> no, they basically just talk about all things alien on the podcast. It's really, really good. Um, the ones that I've listened to, I, I highly, re- I, I definitely like them. So um, this this is not going to be super as, as in-depth as they go. But I want to start with the science. Um, so the study of extraterrestrial life, formerly known as exobiology, now astrobiology, is the study of the universe or the study of the origin, evolution, and distribution of life in the universe. So, uh, that life can range from prokaryotic organisms to, like, beings with civilizations more advanced than our own. Okay, so you say that it's the study of origin, evolution, and distribution of life. And so this is astrobiology. So, I mean, that kind of seems like that means there's something out there that, they are studying so do you do we know what you know what are we studying so basically they're studying well because we haven't really found anything yet right so like they're studying things like um planets that are in the habitable zone or goldilocks because you know we're in the goldilocks zone you know we're just the right distance from the sun and the moon and all that kind of stuff for us to like have good climate and all of that stuff. So they're studying planets that either used to have the components of life or are in a zone close to another star similar to ours in another galaxy that is in the habitable zone. Mm -hmm. So they're studying things like that. And so that also means like how life came to be on Earth too. Like that's a small component of it as well. So yeah. Um, I know, I thought that was pretty cool. So the start of thoughts about life on other planets began with the idea of cosmic pluralism. So basically that's the idea that there are other worlds or other planets besides Earth that may contain life. And the idea, this idea predates Copernicus, which I find, I found that really interesting. Right, so I didn't really think that before Copernicus we really had much of an idea that there were other planets. Right, exactly. So like... When the telescope was invented and when they could prove that Copernicus was correct about the heliocentric theory. Right. um, Earth and sun being the center of the the galaxy and that everything revolves around the sun rather Rather than than revolving around the Earth. Right. Which is what they used to believe. I know. They used to think we were the center of everything. So, um, but yeah, so like once telescopes were invented and they could prove that he was right... Um, the idea of extraterrestrial life just became really like a really popular topic because I feel like the like the heliocentric theory was kind of like shifting literally everything. It was just kind of like whoa, yeah, we I mean, are the center. It, it changed everything. Yeah, it changed the center of the world, like the universe, yeah. really, the, or the center of our galaxy. You know, um, so like especially with um, as telescopes get more and more powerful and we've become. Like, when we're able to explore space better, 
coupled that coupled with news coverage and growing suspicions of the government it's just really the pop the, like the the topic of extraterrestrials in general have just has just blown up um and then this next thing the fermi paradox named after a physicist enrico fermi is the contradiction between the lack of evidence for extraterrestrial civilizations and a high estimation for their probability right okay so Basically, the high probability being that the universe is almost infinitely large. It's mm-hmm. so big that all the possibilities would lead us to believe that there mathematically has to be right. that life happens somewhere else in the vast universe. Exactly. Um, However, but the paradox is that we haven't found anything at all. Yeah. So we have no evidence to believe that right. there is such life except for the fact that probability... Like by the the laws of probability, like there there has has to be really right. And so, in 1975, Michael Hart formalized the basic points of this argument into like a formalized paper, and they include the following: so there are billions of stars in the Milky Way, uh, similar to the sun. With a high probability, some of these stars have Earth-like planets, and if the Earth is typical, some may have already developed intelligent life. Also, some of these civilizations may have developed interstellar travel, a step the Earth is investigating just now. So even at this slow pace of currently envisioned interstellar travel, the Milky Way galaxy could, hypothetically, be completely traversed within a few million years. Hmm. And since many of the stars similar to the sun are much older than the sun, it would seem that that would have provided plenty of time for an intelligent species to have essentially colonized us, at least explored us, at the very least. So, according to this line of reasoning, the Earth should have already been visited by an extraterrestrial civilization, or at least their probes. Right. I mean, that makes sense. Um, I know we've had this we've had this discussion just recently. I think it's so interesting. The idea that like I don't know like because we watched that TED talk and you're just like I don't agree with it. Um, there's a TED talk by Stephen Webb I think is his name. I don't um, remember his name. It was not of note. <laughs> it was good. I thought it was good. I definitely think this paradox is worth worth mentioning. Even though you're, I I mean honestly I I, I think. There has to be life somewhere. I fall much more into the the mindset of of the probability has to allow it to happen. Right. Well, because so many variables and like, like I of the infinite largeness, vastness for, of space, like there has to be another planet somewhere that has life. Well, right, and I think the Fermi paradox is particularly and specifically talking about intelligent life. So, like civilizations beyond our own does that make sense i think that's what the the fermi paradox is kind of referring to it's specifically beyond our own or just intelligent like us or even well see intelligent as far as like self-awareness or intelligent as far as like far advanced advanced races so i don't i don't know like i don't think that that's um clearly defined in the fermi paradox but i do think that like it's definitely talking about intelligent life Right, because I mean, there's there is a high probability that there's a planet out there. Well, there is a planet out there that's in the next galaxy over, that is in the habitable zone, and it's very possible that that planet has um, life of some kind. It just may not be intelligent. It may be prokaryotic or like, you know, 
single cell for sure. Right. So I think like the Fermi paradox is talking about specifically intelligent life. So like life like us, I would assume. Right. Self-aware. Right. Sentient enough to um, even discuss the concept of space travel, really. Yeah. Okay, so in 1984, the SETI Institute was founded, and SETI it stands for the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence. It was founded by a group of researchers who were interested in searching for extraterrestrial intelligence, but were currently working within universities where funding wasn't enough to cover what was needed for the projects that they were interested in, hmm. basically. So it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Like, and I think it's been, like, it was founded in 1984. How many years has that been? And we haven't found any. Uh, 36 years. So, um, also, to note, in November 2011, <laughs> the White House released an official response to two petitions asking the government to acknowledge, to formally acknowledge that aliens have visited Earth and to disclose any intentional withholding of government interactions with extraterrestrial beings according to the response awful awful bold i know right like hey you're gonna tell us if they've been here and if you're you've been hiding it from us um so the u.s so according to the response the response includes this statement quote the u.s government has no evidence that any life exists outside our planet or that an extraterrestrial presence has contacted or engaged any member of the human race end quote Hmm. yeah um, they also added, um, odds are pretty high that there may be life on other planets, but the odds of us making contact with any of them, especially any intelligent ones, are extremely small given the distances involved. So, right. That's the White House's stance on. Uh, well, there's also aliens. there's a little there's a little part in here that I think you had missed. Um, oh. so also, according to the response, there is. Quote, no credible information to suggest that any evidence is being hidden from the public's eye, end mm-hmm. quote. That's so diplomatic um, of them, right? Well, it is, but I mean, <laughs> I'm just kind of wondering if these, this group, these, these people that were asking, you know, telling the government to acknowledge that aliens have been here and to disclose any information they have, like, did they really think they were just going to tell the truth if oh, they had been hiding it this point. whole time? Yeah, would be like, oh, you caught us. Yeah, I mean, the, <laughs> what did you expect? <laughs> like, They're going to have to just say no. They're... And I like the use of the word credible, right? Because credible, like, what is that? Really? There is no credible. And it's hard to measure. Right? Because, like, the guy down the street saying that the end is near is one day closer to the end tomorrow than he is today. So he's more credible tomorrow than he is today. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's basically kind of like the science and the history. Yeah, so there's not really a whole lot more that we've, I mean, like we said, we haven't really found anything. So everything's yeah. pretty much just theoretical at this point. Yeah. So this is a topic, this next section about pop culture and like kind of what we were talking about, about how it's just kind of exploded. Um with popularity is one that you are pretty excited about, I know. So, aliens have been depicted in literature as early as the 10th century. That goes back to like the cosmic, wow. yeah, the cosmic pluralism thing that we talked about where they're kind of like, yeah, there are other worlds, there are probably other people, like all that kind of stuff. So, um, the amount of alien literature and entertainment obviously could take years to go through. Like, it leads me to wonder, like, 
where this fascination comes from. Um, like with just like what's out there, you know, like I wonder if it comes from this, I, you know, not wanting to be alone in the universe. Yeah, I think that's part of it. I mean, a lot of it is like back in the day, people used to, you know, actually go outside sometimes. Um, <laughs> Wait, so what? They would, they you know, they would stare up at the stars. Um, and especially when you're you're out in like say the country or you know somewhere not close where to, we're from. Yeah, not <laughs> not near a city, uh, but if you can get out. You know, where the, the skies are really clear, you can see all the stars, like, you can kind of just get a sense of, like, how big it is, it is out there. yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And so to just kind of wonder, like, what all is out there, because I'll likely never get that far. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, when it comes to, like, more aliens and things like that in pop culture, the first movie I could find was originally a Russian silent film that was released in 1924 about a man who daydreams... <laughs> This is kind of morbid. He daydreams about killing his wife out of jealousy and traveling to Mars, then falling in love with the Queen of Mars. Um, And that movie is called Alita. So that's the first one that I originally found. But after Mm. some more research, I found a French silent movie that was made in 1902. It was called A Trip to the Moon. And it's basically about what you would expect. Um, An astronomer decides to build a capsule in the shape of a bullet. He shoots it at the moon out of a cannon. And the capsule gets stuck in the man in the moon's eye. The earthlings then get out of the capsule and then they start a fight with the selenites, I think is what it said. I think that's how you pronounce it. AKA moon aliens. And then they are getting their butt whooped and they escape and come back to earth with a captive um, selenite that they parade around town. So that's actually the first uh, alien movie that has ever been made. (laughs) Cool. Cool. Um, so I'm just wondering though, like, so this astronomer, and I mean, obviously it's a movie, but so he just builds a capsule, a hollow bullet, in the shape of a bullet, and, mm-hmm. and shoots it at the moon mm-hmm. out of a cannon. How, how did they? Yeah. So okay. So he just shot this thing out of a out of a cannon to get there. Yeah. How did they get back? I don't know. The movie doesn't really disclose that. I want to say... It just says they they the, escape and come back. But how? I mean, because they didn't... Did they build another cannon while they were down up there? Or? I think it gets dislodged from... So I want to say... This is all very extensive Wikipedia research. I want to say that the movie plot... Um, somebody falls off the moon. They're on the moon. They fall off and then they fall into the ocean. So, so they just fell off the moon. Yeah, they fell off the, the moon. Oh, okay. Yeah. And well, why so, didn't they just fall <laughs> off the earth to get up there to start with? <laughs> I have no idea. But I think the man in the moon, like, kind of gets the bullet unstuck from his eye. Right. So he, what, he sneezes and... <laughs> yeah. Shoots it back to earth, right. maybe. Yeah. Who knows? It was very accurate. Yeah. Very scientifically accurate. It sounds like it. So, also, side note, I'm super excited about this. I found out in my research that there is going to be an Avatar 2 and 3. Which, mm. what's that? Yeah. What? I mean, the first one was good, I guess. But You guess it was good? I mean, it was pretty good, but I just don't think it's necessary to make another one. I want to see more of the Na'vi. Thank you very much. So, moving on, I guess, since you're not excited about it like I am. 
1975, almost two years before Star Wars, James Earl Jones stars in a movie reenactment of Betty and Barney Hill's alleged abduction. And we'll get to their abduction a little bit later. But, like, he's been in um, space movies for a long time. Before they were a thing. Even before Star Wars. That's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And there is a full list of, like, extraterrestrial movies on Wikipedia that is super long. Um, So there's tons to go through, and they're all pretty humorous to look at, actually. But I do want to add, and I want your opinion on this, that the musical Little Shop of Horrors, Mm -hmm. along with um, Superman, are technically alien movies. Okay, technically, yeah, because they involve aliens. Superman's an alien. Um, yeah, he is an alien. And the musical, like that's like that's like such a genre bending thing. Like the musical Little Shop of Horrors is also a sci-fi movie. Like, how cool is that? Yeah, technically. You don't seem as excited about that as I thought you would be. That's... Well, I mean, it's just. <laughs> It's hard to classify Superman as an alien movie, but... I mean... mean, Yeah, technically. He's an alien. Yeah. Totally an alien. So, what are some of your favorite alien movies, shows, whatever? Um, So, one of my favorites... um, Honestly, I don't even really remember a lot about the actual movie, but I remember loving it as a kid, um, was Mars Attacks. I don't know if I've seen that, actually. It was... It's super old. I think it was like... I think it came out in like 95 or something and it was just like these super old you say well yeah <laughs> um but it's just like these these aliens came to like conquer the earth um they can't really even speak english they just like whack 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 oh i and they have like these glass domes over their head yes i remember the artwork from the cover but yeah. i don't think i've ever seen it i think yeah. i've seen previews it was or cool something. Um, but, Coneheads is that's a that's an alien movie right they're, yeah, Conehead, they're aliens. Coneheads yeah they're they're aliens okay. Um, I was also a huge fan of Men in Black. Oh, yes. That movie um, is all of them. I loved all of them. Even the latest one was so good. International? Yes. It was pretty good. It was just a lot different. Yeah. I liked it, though. The first one was the best, though. Oh, it was yes. so good. So good. Um, and then also, I mean, I'd be remiss to say, um, Alien. Of course, I didn't actually watch Alien until just a few years ago. Yeah, we watched them. I never them. really got into them that much. Yeah. Um, My sister loves Aliens. Yeah. Or the Alien the Alien franchise. She really likes them. Yeah. They're they're super good. Um, there's just, there's so, so many. Yeah. Um, it's kind of hard to remember them all. No. I have them. So, like, here I have the Alien franchise, like, written down in order. Yeah. Um, and it goes Prometheus, Alien Covenant... Alien, Aliens, Alien 3, Alien Resurrection, and then Alien vs. Predator. Okay, so this is like in order of like chronological, chronological order of the way the story happens. Yeah, not, not the order they came out. Right. Yeah. Okay. Mm. So they just kind of tried to go the whole Star Wars route. Yeah, that's what I Go back and tell the rest of the story later. Yeah. But I will say, like, I am super proud that I got you kind of hooked on X-Files. I'm going to take that as a win That's true. for me. Yeah, I do. I f- forgot about X-Files. We were talking mostly about movies, but I do love the X-Files. Right? It's, You're welcome. Now, yeah, now Such I, I never gift. really watched it when I was younger. <laughs> Such um, a gift. But yeah, I'm glad we watched that because it is awesome. Yeah, I used to have like... I'm... With the exception of those last couple of seasons. They were 
a little strange. They were weird. Reboots or the remake. Yeah, and the movies, like the made-for-TV movies and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, those were kind of strange. Forget but... those. Oh, man, but so the good. actual original series was great. Absolutely. So speaking of the X Files and like all of this stuff, let's talk about UFOs. Okay. Okay. So in March of 1631, the governor of Massachusetts Bay Colony, John Winthrop recorded that a townsperson by the name of James Everell um, and two others had been rowing a boat in the muddy river when they saw a light in the night sky. Quote, when it was still, it flamed up, and when it was three yards square, and about, and it was about three yards square. When it ran, it was contracted into the figure of a swine. End quote. Over the course of two or three hours, the boatman said that the mysterious light ran as swift as an arrow, darting back and forth between them and the village of Charlestown, a distance of approximately two miles. The governor wrote that when the strange apparition finally faded away, the three Puritans in the boat were stunned to find themselves one mile upstream, as if the light had transported them there. The men had no memory of their rowing against the tide. A lot of supposed alien UFO sightings or abductions have like this element of lost time. So right. let's talk about it. 16. Yeah, 1631. That's crazy. Yeah. I didn't think that was until like the 50s. 50s right? How? Like the area 51 nuts kind is of that? Stuff. So we're talking um, 17th century. We're, we've got three guys. Settlers. Yeah, Puritans. They don't lie. Although this I, is true. Well, they weren't kind of responsible. Wasn't that the witch trials? Wasn't that them? Well, Wasn't that them? Yeah. So maybe they did but, kind of lie. But still, like... <laughs> they didn't think they were lying. That's a good point. But yeah, like 1631. That's crazy. So they saw this this thing in the sky, this light. I don't understand it this. It flamed up. Yeah, this description is really thing. weird. Yeah. So it flamed up, and then when it ran, it contracted into the figure of a swine. So it, like, turned into this pig and then ran off. I don't... Maybe they were just well, I don't know if weed. this was a UFO. Or they were just high. But it says it was a light in the sky, so... <laughs> I don't know, yeah, this sounds Technically, this it sounds is a UFO, weird. though, because a UFO is an unidentified yeah, flying object. Yeah, but this, this sounds awfully weird. Um, course of three hours, so... This was a while. Yeah. They were, that they were just sitting here looking at it. Transfixed. And then they... Found themselves a mile down, well, upriver, mm-hmm. right? Because it says that they were, yeah, um, they were upstream, uh, and that they, they hadn't been. I mean, yeah, that would take like some effort to row against the tide to get up another mile. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. That's, yeah. That's crazy. And I I put in my notes too that like uh, maybe not this one, but a lot of UFOs can actually be debunked as um, comets. Right. But maybe not, I don't understand how this one could be because they say that it darts back and forth. Yeah, comets don't typically just go back and forth. They also don't look like pigs either. Yeah, this is true. I thought that was so cool. So um, there's actually a lot of information on UFOs due in part to like their fun and mysterious kind of like, oh my gosh, what are they? Um, but also like they definitely became, I want to talk a little bit about this. They became um, more of a threat during the Cold War. There have been a lot of projects funded by the government to research UFOs because, if we're being honest, we want to know what's flying in our airspace. And we also want to know ways that we can fly around in other people's airspace undetected. Hmm. So, 
Like, there's a lot of information on UFOs. And, like, each of these topics could probably be... Each of these, like, sections that we're talking about could probably be their own podcast. Right. But, yeah, I think that's so interesting. I didn't, I've never... Re- I saw... I read that and I thought, huh, it makes sense that the Cold World War, they would, like... Cold War, they'd want to, like, know the stealth tactics, you know? Yeah, that's true. So. It was a crazy time, apparently. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, we talked a little bit ago about um, James Earl Jones starring in a movie uh, about, like, an alleged abduction, right? Right. So, on to alien abductions. So Sweet. Yes. So, Antonio, is that, would that be Villa? V.S. Boas. Okay. Antonio V.S. Boas was a farmer who later became a lawyer. Um, who claimed to have been abducted by aliens in um, 1957. This was the first account of an, ad- an, of an abduction that I could find. Um, so he said that while he was working in his field at night to avoid the heat of the day, he was abducted and covered in gel. This gets kind of weird. Okay, so an attractive, white-haired, feminine, cat-like alien had her way with him and then let him go. Okay. She was feminine... Kind of feline, covered in white hair, very attractive. She, uh, she, uh, used him for his body. But why did they cover him in gel? I don't know. <laughs> That's an excellent question. I have no idea. Hmm. So um, this was the, this is the first account of a, an alien abduction that we know of. Yeah, right? that I could find. For, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. 1957. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's definitely an odd (laughs) recollection. I remember in reading, like, his statement, he remembers feeling, like, super incensed that they had just, like, used him to get this cat lady alien pregnant, essentially, because some of her, like, motions after the fact were kind of, like, pointing at her stomach and, like, oh, yeah, like, now I have your baby. It was weird. Hmm. It was strange. So, yeah, that's that's the first one. I mean, I don't know why you'd make that up. Yeah, I definitely don't know why he would make it up. That's for sure. <laughs> I don't, I Especially don't. with this being, like, the first recorded case, there, at least that we can find. Like, if, if ne- you've never heard any other kind of stories about this kind of thing happening before, who would just make that up? Right. So, the next one that I could find, in September of 1961, Barney and Betty Hill reported an alien abduction on a drive home. So this is the one that James Earl Jones played in. Yeah, that he reenacted. So, okay, on a drive home from, like, a vacation, they lost time. I think it was, like, three hours. Um, later, through hyp- hypnosis, they recalled the events of the night, and the details of the night shaped how we talk about aliens to this day. So um, the current abduction stories of experiments and probing and assaults and all that kind of stuff can be traced back to these two stories right okay so this one is like this is like a big deal yes so basically they said um this isn't in the notes i'm remembering um they basically said that on the drive home they saw this light that was moving and they originally thought it was the moon because you know how the like when you're in the car sometimes it looks like the moon is moving along with you well turns out it wasn't because it kept it started to dart in front of the car and behind the car and it um it got really close to the car and so like 
he Barney, I think that's that's his name, right? Yeah, yeah Barney. Barney. He um he sped up and like they got to like an overlook and um they saw the saucer. They finally saw the the shape of it and it was a saucer and they saw like um men in like because it was like windows all around. So it was like two plates almost on top of each other and then like glass in between them. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like what your typical flying saucer looks like. Right. And so like he saw them looking out at them and then through hypnosis they found that um, like when they were abducted, like they did experiments on Betty and experiments on Barney and they like probed them and like took samples of their hair, took like biopsies and all of that kind of stuff wow yeah um and they were like and this is this is something that was talked about in a lot of the articles they were an interracial couple so like it doesn't make sense for them to like make it up right because during this time it's in the 60s like it doesn't make sense for them to draw that attention to themselves yeah Okay, so you watched season two of American Horror Story, right? Or at least part of it. Tell me what that one was about again. It's the one where they're in the insane asylum. Oh, I only got to like, I only got to like episode three You only watched a few episodes. Yeah. But so, there was a part in there where there was this, um, one of the the people that was in the asylum, and I don't remember what his name was in the show, but he, I remember it showing like, it showed like flashbacks of like, his time before he got in there, mm-hmm. he apparently had like he was a white man and he had this black wife, and they were like, basically, I mean, they were being like discriminated against and all this kind of stuff. Like the yeah. local townsfolk did not like this. This was in like the fifties, um, and there was some kind of deal about, like, I think there was the whole alien abduction really? kind of thing, I'm gonna and then he ended that. up going into the asylum. So that is probably. This is probably Loosely. what he was based on. Then. Yeah, well, the it was it would be reversed because Betty was white and Barney was African American. Oh, uh, so, okay. Or a person of color, I should say. Um, so yeah, but it may be loosely based on that, especially if it's there's like um, hintings in the show of like aliens, yeah, and like things like that. So or at least he believed it. Exactly. And so here's the thing, too. Like, you said that. Like, at least he believed it. That reminds me... Like, that leads me to my next point. So the really cool thing about alien abduction stories is that they paved the way for the way psychologists study memory and the brain. Specifically, false memory. Right. So there was a really cool study done by Harvard in 2002 um, that said that participants who reported, recovered, and repressed memories of alien abductions were more prone than control participants to exhibit false recall and recognition. Okay, so just to break that down a little bit, this means that the people who say that they recovered memories from being abducted by aliens, Mm -hmm. they were more likely to show signs of false memories. Correct. And so it's similar to, like, so, like, with, like, false recall and stuff like that, it's kind of like, oh, do you remember that time we did that thing? And you don't really remember it, but, like, me just saying, oh, do you remember that time that we went to this really cute restaurant and ate ice cream? You're like, oh, like, that that kind of sounds like something we would do, and you would just, and so, like, that memory is then planted in your mind, even right. though we never really did that. Right. So, 
the so some people who aren't as prone to like recall that kind of stuff like would not would they be like no I don't remember that and right. they would like say be able to say that but other people who maybe don't have like those brain synapses like as as sharp you know um, they may be like yeah yeah I think so I think I remember that so like they're more likely and all that like I thought that was so interesting yeah. I guess it's not really surprising, though. I mean, you kind of expect that. Yeah, I kind of take that to mean that they're kind of impressionable, I guess, and, like, suggestible, maybe. Yeah, but impressionable of what, though? Like, that means, like, someone would have to be kind of, like, coaxing this idea into them. Well, there is a lot of talk, too, about, um, like, confessions. You know, it's like, and I mean, we're into this because we're, you know, we've watched Making a Murder and all that stuff about, like... Tell me what you did whenever this happened. And, like, kind of, like, leading questions. And so, like, especially if it's under a state of hypnosis or things like that, and they're highly impressionable, it yeah. just kind of makes sense that they they would fill in the gaps. That's true. So. <clears throat> so, anyways, this brings us to uh, almost to a close. But before, we, before we're done, let's talk a little bit about Area 51. Yes. So. All right. Um, remember when I talked about like the Cold War, just like two minutes ago, and yeah. about how like we like were really interested in the study of UFOs and like kind of wanting to make sure that they're not an actual threat. Yeah. Um, so, um, Robert Scott Lazar reported that in the late 80s, he was hired by the government to reverse engineer extraterrestrial technology at a site called S4. Um, and I, I don't think... Is that Area 51? I don't know if that's Area 51 per S4, se. It's the... Yeah, it's at, well, Nellis it's at, Air Force Base. Is Nellis Area 51? Yeah, I think so. I don't know. But he basically said that the craft ran on antimatter and an element called one fi- called um, element 115 or Moscovium. Um, this guy also claims to have received degrees from MIT and Caltech. Uh, there's no record of him hmm. at either of those universities. <laughs> right. So. So, as far as we know, this guy is just saying... Like, he wasn't, like, he's not on record of ever doing this. He just told some people that he, he did. He went to the news. He went to the news and was just like, hey, I did this. And I, you know, like, they. So this, Robert Scott, was Bob Lazar. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I've heard of this guy before. I think he has a book. He does have know? a book. And he has, he's, like, on quite a few of the, like, TV shows and stuff like that. Um, and he has, like, a new, yeah, I think there's, like, a new Netflix special about him. Yeah, I remember seeing something about him recently. Mm-hmm. Um, so, apparently he's also a convicted criminal. Tell me about that. Tell me more about that. Um, oh, this was, so this was later. Oh, in 1990, his, yeah, yeah, I remember he was arrested that. for aiding and abetting a prostitution ring. Oh, I um, did not read that. I just read it. It was reduced to felony pandering, to which he pled guilty. Um, he was ordered to do... 150 hours of community service, stay away from brothels, and undergo psychotherapy. 
2006, Lazar and his wife Joy White were charged with violating the Federal Hazardous mm-hmm. Substances mm-hmm. Act I read about that one. for shipping restricted chemicals across state lines. Mm-hmm. The charges stem from a 2003 raid on United Nuclear's business offices. That's where his chemical, business. Okay, so that's his business, mm-hmm. United Nuclear. Yeah. Where chemical sales records and were examined, uh, United Nuclear pled guilty to three criminal counts of introducing into interstate commerce uh, and aiding and abetting the introduction into interstate commerce, yeah. banned hazardous substances. Uh, in 2007, United Nuclear was f- fined $7,500 for violating a law prohibiting the sale of chemicals and components used to make illegal fireworks. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a pretty small fine for a company. Yeah. And apparently from what I understand from what I understand is basically he <laughs> um he just was like transporting hazardous chemicals across state lines and like it's it sounds like it's more of a business like right. thing than it was like a nefarious criminal well could be nefarious. I don't know. Maybe he's making... He is making fireworks. He, I think he is in charge of a fireworks festival there in Nevada. But, yeah. So, this dude just goes... And, like, I think it's weird because he says that this happened in the 80s, right? In the early 80s. But he goes to the news in, like, 89 and says this. He doesn't even wait a full... Like, if this actually happens. Like, he doesn't even wait a full decade. You know? Like... He said that he was forced to, like, sign documents and, like, NDAs and all of this stuff. And it's like, I mean, like, I don't understand why more wasn't done to him if, I don't know, like. Yeah, if there was anything credible about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It says, it says in, he, it was 1989 when he appeared on an interview um, with investigative reporter George Knapp. Mm-hmm. Um... Let's see. Claim the propulsion. So he goes into a lot of detail about what supposedly was fueling these crafts. Yeah. Um, I it was a lot of science speak. All I could get was antimatter and element one fifteen. And from what I understand, element one fifteen is like a common phrase used in a lot of sci fi stuff. But that element it later probably came from this. Right, and like it later turned out to be. He later called it, like, Moscovium, which hadn't been discovered at the time, but it was then. I don't know. Like, it was it was discovered later. So, super weird. Yeah. Weird, weird, weird. So, what are your thoughts on Area 51? Um, I don't know. So, well, so first, I do want to go ahead and just kind of correct myself. Uh, I, Nellis Air Force Base is not same thing as area 51 oh where is it um uh, so you mean that they're transporting alien craft across multiple air force bases and it's not just at area 51 yeah (laughs) uh so nellis air force base is in southern nevada um and the supposed uh area 51 uh how is just a highly classified u.s air force base um well located within the nevada testing and and training range so they're likely very close, but I don't see anything naming them as the same thing. Well, maybe they are the same thing, and they're just kind of like... It's possible, but I don't... 
I just remember Will Smith from Men in Black whenever he's just like, there's an Air Force base right there. And the dude's like, I don't see it on any map. And he's like, it wouldn't be. So yeah. that's all I know about. Yeah, so I can't really see. I don't, I don't see anything that links them as being the same one. Um, but If you're from the government, call us and let us know if it's the same thing. Yeah. Don't kill um, us. But, don't don't so kill us. <laughs> basically, it all started from this supposed... Yes, yes. Um, which we haven't really gotten into yet, this supposed incident um, in Roswell, New Mexico, that everyone says was a, a UFO crash landing. And that's what they st- apparently were studying at Area 51, mm-hmm. was this crash the crash site with the, um, the craft and apparently some alien bodies, bodies. that they found. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's crazy. Like, I just... The the military's stance was they say that it was just a weather balloon. Right. Right. But nobody's buying it. Right. Well, see, that let... See, when I was looking at this and looking at, like, the threat during the Cold War and all that kind of stuff, when did Roswell... When did the crash happen? In 47? Yeah, 1947. So, I, when I went through this, I kind of looked up a little bit about, like, near misses... In our history, and I couldn't find a whole lot. Like, whenever, like, we were on the brink of, like, war. Right. So, I just wonder if this was, like, a, an enemy craft that we shot down and were not allowed to say. Does that make sense? Um, yeah. I don't, I don't see why they would have not said anything, though, because you would think that they would kind of want to put that out there. Like, hey, we shot down some... Communist. Well, maybe, but that's pretty close. Like they're they flew over quite a bit of that's true U.S. space. Yeah, I guess if they didn't want everybody to let you know to let everybody know that they had made it that far. Yeah, like either because um, either way you go, like yeah, it's Nevada, sense. it's Nevada, but like you would still have to fly. That's pretty close. Yeah, still. you you still have to fly over quite a bit of U.S. airspace and like land. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's really interesting to me. An, yeah, that's an interesting theory. we got to take a road trip. Yeah. Definitely want to go out there and see the aliens. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Um, so, while we're on the subject of Area 51, though, we got to talk a little bit about um, <laughs> this, this, I'm not really sure what it was. Movement? This, this movement, yeah, I guess is probably the best <laughs> word for it, um, that came about. Uh, last summer, summer of 2019, around July, I think. Storm Area 51. Yeah, this idea. And, and I apparently I'd heard from the guy that actually had started the idea, and it was it really was just a joke, and it just took off. But so this kid gets on the internet and just says that we should storm Area 51. They can't stop all of us. Right, they can't <laughs> stop all of us. So this was like a Facebook page that they started. Um, and so their plan... And I believe the date was supposed to have been uh, September 20th. Um, And so their plan was to, quote, everyone meet up and, quote, Naruto run (laughs) to Area 51. Oh, that's Because that would make them faster. Oh, of course. Um, Obviously, they can't shoot someone that's Naruto Naruto running running, across the desert. Um I'm sad I missed it. Yeah. Uh, apparently, no one showed up. I had heard at one point that the only, the only person that showed up was like this old woman. Oh. 
Man. And like that was it. I resonate with um, her. I wish we could have gone. That would have been fun. Yeah, I'd that would have been it. sweet. I think we should all go, like, every September 20th, that should be, like, Storm Area 51 day. So, Can like, we take a trip every, this September? Every, every year, everybody needs to go meet up at, at Area 51 just just so that we can commemorate this moment in our history. This auspicious um, as, occasion. As the moment we attempted to reveal the truth. Oh, my god! But ultimately got too scared. So what day does September 20th fall on this year? And if it's a weekend, we're going. And we're um, just going to go hang out in Roswell and uh, n- around Nellis, or maybe not Nellis, I don't know. But, uh, yeah. I think so we have our... So it happens on a Sunday. Absolutely. I think we have our next vacation planned. Are you ready? Sweet. <laughs> this is so fun. All right. Details to follow. Yeah. Totally. Um, but yeah. So that kind of wraps up our Area 51 talk. Um, and I, I don't really have anything else. Oh, I'm just looking at the the Storm Area 51, like, Wikipedia page, and it says that, like, on July 10th, like, there were, like, like the FBI was ready. And the Air Force was ready. Well, honestly, I mean, they kind of had to be, because, I mean, what if they actually did? You know what I mean? Like, you got half the internet saying, yeah, we're going to go do this. You kind of have to at least... They were ready for it. You got to. So I mean, you just... can't just blow it off and then have them actually show up, and then you're not prepared for it. <laughs> Oh, my God. So, basically, the entire internet trolled the U.S. government. Yeah. It was pretty awesome. That's hilarious. I'm, yeah. I'm down to do it. Let's let's make it happen. I think <laughs> this is a new yearly thing. I know. Um, you heard it yeah. here first. So, that's, that's pretty much everything we got. Um, so, this date is coming to a close. Um, I do want to thank everyone for joining us tonight. I mm-hmm. uh, hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Um, if you have anything, you know, any topics you want us to talk about, go ahead. You can always email us if you have any, um, coffee ideas to try, go ahead and shoot us an email too. Um, you can email us at date night coffee shop at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll be seeing you next time. I had fun. Me too. Bye, Bye everybody. <laughs>